0: what is up horror movie fans we are back for a new installment of the 3 fn horror show and of course this is the first 3 fn horror show of the new year so happy new year 2023 in case you haven't heard me say that already of course this is the show where we review nothing but horror movies but before we get into that, we are coming to you from the A122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host, Rich. Joining me in the co-pilot's chair is one of my co-hosts from the flagship 3FN podcast. You also hear him on 3FN Rewind, but most importantly, you know him as the gray-bearded wizard. It's Ron. What's happening, people? Of course, in this episode... Is going to be coming out to the masses on Friday the 13th so there's only one movie we could review or one movie series and we got to start off with the original so this episode we will be reviewing 1980s Friday the 13th What? what? how excited are you for that I am so excited for this are you pumped to I talk pumped. some Friday the 13th I am pumped like Jason Voorhees you are pumped like Jason Voorhees well I'm glad that you're pumped (laughs) like Jason Voorhees. But before we can talk about Jason Voorhees or the lack of Jason Voorhees. (laughs) We will uh, give you those uh, all-important shameless plugs that we got to get out of the way just so you know how to get a hold of us in contact and all that happy jazz. It's simple. For all the links, all the connections, everything you could possibly need to know about the 3FN Podcast, visit 3FNPodcast.com. There you will find all the social media links. You will find the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content and you help support the show also. So the link for the tea public store is there links to the friends of the show like the ocho duro parley hour podcast is there and of course the musical directory featuring all the great musical acts that allow us to use their music so we don't get that dreaded dmca big shout outs to obscure form whose song nefarious is the theme song for the 3fn horror show check them out on spotify youtube music and Bandcamp. And, of course, last but certainly not least are the local sponsors who help bring this wonderful show to you each and every week. And all the shows, actually, I should say, to you each and every week. C- Commercial-free. You can't, you can't put a price tag on that. Well, Commercial-free? We, we, we technically did put a price tag on that, but still. <laughs> and, of course, the main sponsor for the 3FN Horror Show is our good friends over at Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Going down August 25th and 26th in Vernon, New York at the Vernon Downs Casino. Uh, for all information and to keep up on the celebrities. I know that uh, Lorenzo Lamas was uh, announced before the new year. Also on top of that, you know, hey, A big fan. I'm a big fan of hers. And also, I've gotten to work with her a couple times. She's fucking awesome. Felissa Rose will be there. And there's way more to be announced. If you want to stay up to date on all the announces or get tickets or any other information, visit SciFiHorrorFest.com. And if you don't remember that link or anything else I just said, it's simple. Your one-stop shop, 3FNPodcast.com, has got your hookup. Now that the business is out of the way, let's dive in to talking about Friday the 13th. Of course, you know, we talked it before when we uh, covered Black Christmas and then, you know, Halloween subsequently, uh, that the the genre of modern horror, the golden age of horror, we've always thought it was the 80s and it keeps coming back and it's great. But the movie that was the father of the modern age of horror usually is considered to be Friday or is usually considered Halloween. Sorry. And then Friday the 13th is considered that first child, the promised child that then spawns the army. Right. Right. So this is a very important movie in horror history. And the funny part is, when you dive into the lore of this, the director of this film and producer of this film, Sean S. Cunningham, and the writer Victor Miller, it's always been told that Sean Cunningham told Victor Miller, we just need to rip off Halloween. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we can make some money if we rip off Halloween, and and that's kind of what they set out to do, and we're going to touch about that more, so the reason why things get a little, you know, why? Halloween is why, you know, (laughs) and you can see that the first person killer, we, you know, Halloween doesn't give you a whodunit. We know who did it. This gives you a whodunit, but the first person killer is definitely, definitely Halloween. Yeah. So before we dive into all of that, let's find out what the synopsis, what's what the synopsis or synopsis is. With Friday the thirteenth. We're gonna to go to IMDb and I'm gonna read three different ones and uh let Ron vote on which one he likes and we'll kinda of, actually we'll both vote on it. And you at home, feel free to vote as well. The first one's super short a group of camp counselors trying to reopen a summer camp called Crystal Lake, which has a grim pastor stalked by a mysterious killer. Straight to the point. Yep second one in 1957 a young boy named jason drowns in a lake near camp crystal lake the next year the two counselors are murdered in 1980 a descendant of the original owners reopens camp crystal lake with some counselors help the counselors get killed one by one by a mysterious person could it be jason out for revenge i love the, the cliffhanger at the end but it gives a little bit too much yeah just too much and last but certainly not least uh, when a summer camp at Idyllic Crystal Lake reopens 25 years after the tragic drowning of a young boy named Jason the woods fill with the happy squeals of young campers and the fruitive couplings of frisky counselors <laughs> but when a violent rainstorm isolates the lake one by one the counselors are horribly murdered. Could it be Jason out for revenge they also lift you on a cliffhanger but it's, it's a little more in there I mean I love how every one of them and of course obviously these synopsises were in after the uh reveal of Jason later yeah. on. Of course, the franchise goes on. But you gotta remember this movie, and it's not you know, we'd talk spoilers obviously, but this movie has no Jason in it. Yeah. And the only real mention of Jason is the story that Mrs. Voorhees tells at the end of the movie. Yeah. So I think it's really, really kind of interesting that everybody draws back into the Jason Lore just for this film. Which the Jason Lore wasn't really a thing. It was a kind of a in a lot of ways, according to Victor Miller, it was just kind of a thing thrown out their plot device at the end to explain the killings. Yeah. And then it took on a life of its own as we know later on in the franchise. So, I just think it's funny how retroactively everybody goes back to adding Jason to the original movie. Well,
1: you know, it's it is Friday the 13th, so that's what they have to do. <laughs>
0: By the way, let's now go over the stats for Friday the 13th. It was released originally on May 9th of 1980. Those fuckers couldn't even put it on on a Friday the 13th. Like, what's up with that? They weren't planning that. Sean Cunningham. They weren't planning like that. It had a run time of 95 minutes, so right in that sweet zone for a horror movie. Sean S. Cunningham is your director. Uh, Before this, he directed a movie called Together in 1971. Uh, Also, after this, he would direct A Stranger Is Watching. And uh, most recently, in 2017, The Nurse with Purple Hair. Uh, Mostly, Sean Cunningham is known for being a producer and uh, his claim to fame prior to this in producing is he produced Wes Craven's Last House on the Left and also The Hills Have Eyes so he's got a more of a production background this was kind of like hey let's make some money and uh, the man that I talked about earlier, Victor Miller, was your screenwriter on this film. Uh, he would do originally, uh, first before this, a movie called The Black Pearl in 1977. And before he fell out of ways with Sean S. Cunningham, he would also write A Stranger is Watching, which they did together. And then after that, Victor Miller basically went and worked on and wrote for every major soap opera. That works. Guiding late. Um, just uh, Friday the 13th. If you waited a month, you could have put it on on Friday the 13th in June. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you're throwing it back but yeah he worked on every major soap opera yeah. every major soap opera next up uh there is an uncredited writer though by the way ron kerz he was uncredited uh his first movie that he wrote was king frat in 1979 he also did eyes of a stranger off the wall in 1983 unfortunately he passed away from heart failure on may 7, 2020 at the age of 79 and maybe that's why he never entered the battle for the rights of this movie yeah probably <laughs> Finishing out the crew that we talk about here is the cinematographer on this film. Your cinematographer is Barry Abrams. Uh, His first movie as a cinematographer was Hollywood on Trial in 1976, and he also was the cinematographer for A Stranger is Watching. Uh, Unfortunately, Barry Abrams passed away at the age of 65 on August 4th of 2009 and uh that will round out our people who brought us and made us this movie so now it's time to kick it right on over to the fine fine folks who acted in this one and uh we have some fun stories about that but hey let's kick it on over the love
1: of god will someone please punch me in the face so i can see some scars
0: and the news about this movie is that you don't see a lot of stars in this movie because a lot of the kids that they hired on purpose, A, for budgetary purposes, and which we'll get to in a second, and B, because they wanted to have this aesthetic of young, real young kids, they were all theater kids. Yes. Some of them had been in smaller movies. Some of the, One of them had been in one bigger movie with a small role. But for the most part, they were all theater kids from New York City, uh, except for the woman who is only in the movie for the last, what, 10-15 minutes of the yeah, film? if that. And she's the woman that finds her name on the poster. Of course, that would be the legendary Betsy Palmer, who does play Mrs. Pamela Voorhees. By the way, in this movie, we do not find her first name is Pamela yet. No. So, just Mrs. Voorhees in this movie. Uh, of course, she started her career back in 1955 with The Long Gray Line. She was in Mr. Roberts later in the 2000s. She was in Penny Dreadful, and her last film was a movie, it was Bell Witch, the movie, in 2007 before then she did a ton of like old you know older hollywood movies throughout the 1950s and 60s so she she had a name out there plus a lot of tv as well unfortunately we lost the late great betsy palmer on may 29th of 2015 at the age of 88 years young big fan of Betsy Palmer, big fan of her role in this movie and famously, she didn't want to do this movie but her car had broken down and she needed it fixed. Yes. So she literally did this movie so her car could get fixed. (laughs) That is the legit true story of how we ended up with Betsy Palmer. Let's talk about a couple of those young actors that we mentioned earlier. Let's start with the lead female protagonist, if you will, the final girl. And in this case, I really believe, like we had Laurie Strode was the first ever final girl. Adrian King kind of, and I know there was movies in between, but Adrienne King final, is one of those top-tier final girls, in my uh, opinion. Yeah. She plays Alice. Uh, before this movie, she was in Between the Lines in 1977. She was also a background actor in Saturday Night Fever, as well as the uh, movie adaptation of Hair. And most recently, she was in Jason Rising, a fan film, and credited on IMDb in 2021. I have seen that movie. It is a pretty good movie. Check it out on YouTube.
1: Yeah, I didn't see that one. I saw the Don't Hike Alone ones.
0: Yeah, those are good too. But uh, I would definitely say check out uh, Jason Rising. It is a fun movie. And the last that we're going to deep dive in is the person who became the biggest star out of this movie. Because there had to be one, right? Always. And that, of course, was Kevin Bacon. Yes, that Kevin Bacon. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon.
1: You mean the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, Kevin Bacon?
0: We're going to talk about that. Jack (laughs) is who he plays in this movie. His first movie before this is he had a smaller role in Animal House in 1978. Yes, he did. Uh, Then he, after this movie, he did a couple other projects. But then he would really kick it off in the mid-80s with Footloose. Followed by Tremors, A Few Good Men, Picture Perfect, Wild Things, Hollow Man, Super. He was, of course, an X-Men First Class and Black Mass. And most recently, as you pointed out, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special in 2022. Uh, going through real quick to give a shout out to some of the other cast in this movie. Uh, G. Ann Taylor played Marcy. Uh, Robbie Morgan plays Annie. Of course, she's the first person killed throwing it out there. Uh, Harry Crosby plays Bill. Uh, Lori Bartram plays Brenda. Mark Nelson plays Ned. Peter Brower plays Steve Christie, who's in charge. Uh, the truck driver is played by Lex, or Rex Everhart. And, of course, Ron Carroll plays Sergeant Tyranny. And one of our favorites in this movie, and he'll you'll, you'll hear us talk about him again when we cover other Friday the 13th movies, is Crazy Ralph. And he's played by Walt Gorney. This movie, Ron, was made for $550,000. Uh, key component here is $550,000. Most of them probably went to special effects. Special effects in this movie were done by the legendary Tom Savini. Yeah. So five fifty. dollars and the box office. Would you like to guess the box office? I'll give you a clue. It was below $75 million, but above 50000000 million. 62 million. You're close. $59.8 million mm-hmm. in the box office, and that is a hell of a return oh, yeah, in 1980, definitely. especially on a $550,000 film, so it did work. Of course, most of that money came out of the fact that instead of just putting it in grindhouse theaters and in drive, uh, drive-ins, he actually had a wide release in major theaters and convinced people because he did a great job of advertising this film because even before a story was written for this film, they had taken out an ad in the Boston Herald where they had put uh, the picture, which would then become the opening of the film. Of Friday the 13th, the most terrifying movie ever made, and it was in the, the Boston Herald, and it got people to invest in this movie, and it also sold at to theaters. Yeah, well, so, it works. Smart Moves by Sean Cunningham. I might say fuck Sean Cunningham because of all the lawsuits and stuff, and because, hey, you know, he's kind of a you know prick of a human being at <laughs> all accounts, but I will say that uh, it's smart man, Smart yeah. man. Hey, got to do it. Got to push it. So it is now time to dive into the review and I'm, we're going to be honest. This is not going to be a super lengthy review on it. Everybody has seen Friday the 13th. It is a, cl- a classic. However, I, I would like to pick some things apart. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, we get the scene from 1958 is a year after Jason dies. And by the way, we do not know anything about Jason at this point. That's why it's so weird that every synopsis deals with Jason. I get it. The franchise later on. However, we find out we're in uh, Camp Crystal Lake. It's 1958, and we have some ca- we have some camp counselors singing uh, Bible hymns, pretty much, on a guitar, and then two of them sneak off. And why do two of them sneak off, Ronald? Because they're wanting to make some coitus. They want to do coitus, coitus, coitus. Well, the coitus gets inter interrupted by a person that we never get to see, although they both seem to know the person. Both of them are like, oh, we weren't doing nothing. And then we get kill, and then we get... The second kill, but the second kill is a frozen screen into the title card. (laughs) Very much so. And, of course, the plain white on black uh, (laughs) opening credits that lasted through most of the Friday the 13th films. Let's be honest. It's fine. So then we go to present day. So present day is 1979, I do believe is what they say in this timeline. Because even though it came out in 1980, uh, their present day is 1979 according to the timeline. Because that's probably when they shot the fucking film. (laughs) So uh, we get Annie. She's in town. And she ends up Crystal Lake. And of course, she ends up being the first victim. It's also the first time we see Crazy Ralph. That's the only reason I'm bringing this up. Because is there any more worthless fucking character that horror fans, including myself, draw to and love than Crazy Ralph? he is pointless in this movie oh very much so oh it's camp blood you're going to be doomed and then later he's just in a fucking pantry just like stalking like he's in a pantry like how did he get from the town to the pantry and he only has a bike and it seems to be a great distance like not great distance but a decent enough distance because remember the truck driver's like i'll take you part of the way drops her off by the cemetery which is still a few miles away yeah and then she gets picked up by somebody in a Jeep that we don't see, which ends up being the killer. And she becomes the first victim. But I always thought that it was weird to me that, like, we all love Crazy Ralph so much. Uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, it's weird because it's like you see him
1: there in the, the diner or whatever where they're sitting. And he makes this it's camp blood scenario. And then you get to the point where you're going. Uh, and he's just in the pantry just saying shit like so he's he's stalking it's, it's supposed to be the red herring that he's the killer that, that's all that is right but it but, doesn't even work that it way. Doesn't, doesn't work that way and it's all it, or he's just stalking the girls because
0: he's a pervert it's it's the only two options you have right but it's weird yeah so I'm glad you brought that up because then we get to meet the camp counselors and there is never the, the one thing that happens in this film franchise far too often and it started in the original is there's never a group of people that you could care less about than the fucking camp yeah. counselors all they do is give you their stereotypes. Yes. So you have, you know, your your good girl is played by Alice. She's going to be your final girl, you know, kind of configure that early on. Uh, then you have, you know, the rest of the cast and gang. Marcy, you know, Marcy's only interested in in banging Jack because yeah. <laughs> that's that's what she's there for. They're the they're, <laughs> they're the horny couple. And then you have Brenda who is, you know, the nicer girl but still, you know, you you, you get a feeling that she has a little uh you know, King tour. Uh, Bill is the one that's kind of like the the Joker. Yes. You know, it's so they all have this role that they play, and but you never get to really know them or care about them. Even Alice, Alice just comes across as a nice girl, so you're like, oh, we should probably like root for her. And their only like guidance is the head of the camp, and that's Steve Christie. Yeah, and we see Steve Christie in the beginning of the film very briefly as he's hanging us up, and he's very creepy towards Alice. Oh, very much so. And to the point where, like, are they together? No, she's a you know a teenager, probably fresh out of high school, so it's not like it's underage. But he's probably in this movie. We we're led to believe at least in his mid to late twenties, at the very least. Yeah, if not a little older than that. And he's like, and you could tell she's not uh, reciprocating the uh affection he's showing (laughs) so it's kind of real creepy so you're like i don't care and then he fucks off he fucks off to go to town to get supplies and the next time we see him is in a diner like halfway through the fucking movie eating
1: yeah it's weird
0: (laughs) so fast forwarding of course a storm happens because of course a storm would happen of course a storm would (laughs) happen why wouldn't it and we've already had one death with annie And that's when just shit starts popping off our next kill is off-screen because bill gets it off screen I mean the cops show up at one point and they're fucking guy Bill's running around in his fucking like t-shirt diaper jersey and Indian headdress Fucking weird shit like like this movie has a lot of like weird downtime to it And if you know what I'm talking about if you're a fan of the movie trust me I'm also a fan of this franchise and movie, but it's it, when you go back and watch it, especially because I rewatch it all the time. But it, it, most recently, before this, I'm just like, there's a lot of weird downtime that adds nothing to the movie. It doesn't make you feel better for the thing, the, any of the characters in the movie. It doesn't make you feel like there's a red herring. Like, I, I never, you know, we don't know who the killer is, but they don't ever give us a clue of who the killer could be. I guess maybe it could be, you know, Steve Christie because we don't see him for most of the movie, but then it ruins it when you do see him. It's weird. Like, it doesn't make sense. And then, of course, there's the pet of people who get pissed off because they killed a real snake. Yeah. By the way, Dick moved from killing the real snake. Tom Savini asked a friend of his if he could use a snake for the film. The friend did not know that he was going to kill it. It was a pet snake. It wasn't a working snake. Oh, Jesus. They killed the fucking snake. So Tom Savini could be a prick, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> don't lend Tom Savini your snakes, folks. That is a behind the scenes. But that even that scene is in the movie weird. Yeah. It's, like, a- it's the show that they get you a jump scare. That's pretty much it, but you don't need it. Does yeah. that makes you know? Yeah, you
1: don't need it for that. It makes no sense.
0: So Bill gets the off screen treatment. We only find out about it when uh, Marcy and Jack go to have themselves some making love to you
1: oh, during the storm. It was so good,
0: and they dip into like fucking one of the cabins. It just happens to be the cabin that uh, Bill is dead on the top bunk in,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they, they don't see him. Yeah, they don't see him. He's they, up there. He's he, dead. He's dead, and they're just going at it.
0: They're going to Town, And after they're done, of course, you know, mind you, she stands. So after they're done, fucking, you know, she stands up and she's up. Oh, I got to go take a shower, which I mean, good cleanliness is next to godliness, I guess. <laughs> and uh, Jack decides he's going to smoke a joint. And of course, while he's smoking a joint, blood starts to trickle on his forehead. So he wipes it. And then we get the famous Kevin Bacon murder scene where the hand comes out from under the bed, grabs the the forehead and then boop, arrow through the throat. Such so a great, great fucking kill scene, by the way. Great kill scene. I'm a very big fan of that. So moving next, we end up with finding out that the other three are just playing games in the fucking cabin. And then the storm gets crazy. The door flies open. They all decide to to, to, to fuck off. Find other people. And fuck off. And you know we get the one girl's gonna go to bed. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Where Mar- Mar- she gets her fucking ending in the shower. Oh, that's a great right. Yeah. Axe scene. The axe comes up, and of course Savini does his classic: show you the real weapon before showing you the fake one. Because as he comes, as as the killer comes down with the, the axe, it tings into the light to show you that it's a real axe. And it's something Savini has done in many movies. Yeah. And then, of course, it's a rubber axe when it hits her fucking face, and we yeah. get the, yeah, the, the finished product, if you will. Yeah. Next up, we end up having, like I said, they fuck off. They draw out <laughs> the other, the other young female Brenda. They draw her out uh, because she hears a child's voices, and she goes out to the in the middle of a storm. Mind you, there's no kids at the camp yet. Yeah. So. she go in the middle of the storm, she goes out to the fucking target range, where the archery target range, and she gets off skilled off off screen killed with an arrow. She gets yeah. shot with a fucking arrow. Yeah. Uh, later we see her body get thrown through a window. Whee! <laughs> and so our last uh, our last victim, Ned, he he when he comes back, and then we get the final go run because Alice goes to open the door. And then you see Ned's body arrowed to the fucking door. She shuts the door. She starts to barricade it, which, by the way, for some reason, they show us all three minutes of her barricading the door. Yeah. And then the body comes flying through the window of of uh, Brenda. So you're like, fuck, shit's on. Shit's yeah. on and popping. And when she opens the door and runs outside, we see mrs Voorhees for the first time yes by the way steve christie gets killed off screen when he approaches somebody he knows and then kills him and mrs Voorhees introduces herself as mrs Voorhees and she's a friend of the christie's yes but if you have a keen eye you recognize that she's driving a fucking jeep yes <laughs> so she goes in the house and she seems normal and she's like oh calm down my dear and then we start to get the unravel where she's like the, you know in 19 you know in, in 1957 the, the young boy drowned in this lake cuz the counselors weren't paying attention his name was Jason my Jason yeah. kill for me mommy kill for me so you find out that she's tried to keep this place shut. And mind you, there was a, po- a water poisoning thing and mm-hmm. that kept it shut down. Yep. And some other toxic waste kind of shit that kept it shut down. And of course, the murders in 58 shut down. So now she's killing people off to once again bring this, uh, keeping the place closed. Which I don't understand how that pays tribute to her son, but
1: yeah, nah. yeah,
0: she's crazy. Yeah, she's batshit. <laughs> and then we end up with the final battle on the beach where Alice chops that fucking head off. Yeah, chops she- that fucking head off. Right off. Don't a great scene by the way it was a great effect by uh, Tom Savini yes and then we end the, the movie in the nice idyllic lake as Alice has set herself out onto the lake so that Which, way no no other threats can get to her It's you know, yeah but it makes no sense right and she's, she has her hand in the lake and it's it's the, the sun is coming up and then all of a sudden we get Jason like child Jason played by Ari Lyman by the way jumping out of the lake and grabbing onto her and that's the end of the movie well until it wakes up in the Well, yes. Yes. (laughs) We all like to forget that that's the end of the movie because that makes us, the little boy. And the little boy. Where is he at? Where is he at? They should have just ended on that note, the first note. Yeah. I like to believe that the movie ended (laughs) when he jumps out of the lake because the second part just makes you go, why the fuck is it even there? Yeah, I agree. If you find out she's dreaming, it's a dream sequence, but. That is Friday the 13th running through as a whole. And like I said, there's a lot of downtime in this movie. That's a big detraction. Yeah, very much so. Uh, the kills in this movie are top tier, top notch. Love them. Tom Savini does a great job. Uh, you know, we were, you know, we made a judgment uh, when we, we covered Terror Train. Uh, because they didn't use a lot of on-screen kills or a lot of the you know effects in the movie, and fuck, Friday the Thirteenth was already out, so you should have just done you know what they yeah. were doing over there. Halloween, yes, it wasn't bloody, but they were still effects used. I mean, somebody hanging from the door and shit yeah. like that. Like you could have done a little more in Terror Train. We are very. This movie goes the opposite way and is very good. It's uh the kills are are front stage and really they're the star of the show, as they should be. And outside of that, though, like, it's characters nobody gives a shit about. Yeah. It's characters that don't even make sense being in the movie in some cases. I'm looking at you, uh, even though I love uh, Crazy Ralph. It doesn't <laughs> really make any sense in the film. No. I mean there's a lot of things that you're just like I don't feel for any of these kids I don't even feel for the the final girl you know no. you, there's a softness about Laurie Strode that you care about but Alice you're like oh you know I guess you know she's a good girl so we should root for her yeah, but really what did she what did she do I mean then she chopped the lady's head off so when she dies spoiler alert in Friday the 13th part 2 I yeah. mean she kind of pays for her sins if you will yeah pretty much is there any other likes or dislikes about this movie that you have that we didn't mention already?
1: Nah, it's one of those, it's one of those quintessential uh, horror movies. So it's there, it's always been there. Uh, if you haven't seen it, obviously it's a C, but it,
0: it's it's rough <laughs> overall. There, there's some rough spots, but
1: it, it's it is what it is.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some rough spots in this movie, and I think a lot of us like to remember it as different than what it is, yeah. just because of what it is. And don't get me wrong, the importance of horror movies is still always going to be there. It's just. It's, I, I don't know if it is finally, is, I think it's more finally remembered, but then again, if you look at some of the scores, which we're going to go over in a minute around the internet, is it really looked upon as that finally? Well, that's going to bring us to that section. So before we can give our scores, we're going to take a look at the scores around the internet and what other pl- uh, establishments gave this movie. But we're going to have a little fun doing it so you know what time it is. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. That's right, it's time to play the game. Ron is going to try to guess the scores from around the internet and come within five points above or below the score to get a point. If he gets three of them right, he wins. If not, the house wins. Ron, are you ready to play the game? Yes. Okay, Ron, IMDB out of ten, using points. What did they give Friday the 13th? And I can tell you, it is above a five. Every time you do this to me, it's always higher than what pops in my head. I'm going with 5.6, though. You're going with 5.6. <laughs> you just missed it. Just missed it. 6.4 out of 10. See, it's always higher. I have, to, I have to. Okay, Metacritic's up next out of 100%. Ron, I am going to give you a huge clue. This is less than 40%. Yeah,
1: I had a feeling. 32.
0: You're going with 32. <laughs> Not low enough. 22%. Uh, next up, Ron Tomatoes' Critic Score. This is definitely higher than 50%. And I will give you a clue. It is around the IMDb score. What is it for the Rotten Tomatoes critic score for Friday the 13th? Uh, 62. You're saying 62? You get the point. It was 63%. Next up is the Rotten Tomatoes fan score. This score is lower than the Rotten Tomatoes critic score, which was 63%, and is higher than 50%. 50. I've given you a very little wiggle room there. 55%. You pick 55, and just (laughs) by the skin of your teeth, you got it because it was 60%. Yeah, You would have guessed 54, you'd have been off. Yeah, but what you gave me wiggle room with. I gave you just a little wiggle room. That's going to bring us to Google users, Ron. Ron, the Google users (laughs) are high as always. And I'm not Uh. just talking about their drug habits. I'm also talking about Uh. their score. I will say this. This is the highest score out of all of them, and it is above 70%. What is the score for Friday the 13th? You got to go with 80. You're going with 80. And you dropped the ball. It was 86%. 86, missed it yeah. by one. <laughs> missed it by one. If you would have picked 81, you would have been in.
1: Yeah, but it's Google You either got to go 80 or 90.
0: That is very true. That is very true. Well, well, 90 would have gotten you the win. I know. but it's, yeah, 90 would have gotten you the win. Well, that is all the scores from around the internet. Now it is time for our scores. Yeah,
1: well, you know, that's just like... Uh, your opinion man
0: so first of all we're gonna hit you with that nerd score followed by my critic score the nerd score is simple the nerd score is a recommendation score made up of how entertaining the film is plus our critic score uh so that means it could be lower critically but It could be a higher score because it was entertaining and vice versa. The scale is a five part scale and it goes as follows a one is no, that means it's terrible and you should never watch it. A two is you've been warned, it means it's not quite terrible, but it's still bad. So you've been warned not to watch it. A three is ah, it's good. This means these are average to good films. They're not films you need to run out and go see. They're not films that are going to change your world and you don't have to spend money on them. But if they're on and you catch them, it's not going to be a waste of your time, uh, but they're not going to change anything. Four on the scale is just take my money. Those are movies that you can add to your collection, buy, watch over and over again. If you spend money on it, it's fine. These are the essential films. These are the very good to great films. And last but not least is The Rarefied Air at Certified Nerd. And The Certified Nerd is legendary films. These are the classics. These are Jaws. Uh, these are Jurassic Park. Movies like that and so many more that are on that list. And that's The Rarefied Air. Can't get tops more than that. Ron, what is your nerd score and why for... Friday the 13th uh, overall this is
1: probably maybe a little controversial on my score here uh, it is an essential horror movie the special effects are great you if you really need to see that um, if you need if you are somebody that's looking into like practical special effects uh you you definitely need to see this movie because it's done so well um, overall like you said the story is eh, and it's there's just too much stuff I, I give it a three it's good it's good good. Like, it's one of those movies that, yes, you need to see it, but I it, it's just weird on how they do it and set it up. That It's not great, but I, I can understand why people would want it higher, and I get it. Maybe it's because nostalgia or whatever, kind of like Hot Tub Time Machine type of scenario when we did that. I, I, I get it, but
0: to me, it's a three. Well, you know what, Ron? I'm going to shock you and the world, and I'm just going to come out and race it. I'm actually agreeing with you. I also give it a three. It's good. It's good the <sharp inhale> <sharp inhale> Yeah, because it is an essential film. It's weird because it is a three. It's still an essential film that you need to see as a horror fan. The The, the effects are great in this movie. The it, But at the end of the day, it's just a slightly above average film. Yeah. Like There's nobody that you care about in this film. There's nobody that you really want to see succeed in this film with the exception of Maybe Alice, and, there, and the maybe is there. It's just a weird put-together film, and it was a cash grab. What they were doing was they were copying Halloween, which is admitted. They also copied Carrie with a jump scare. They were like, let's end the movie with... The jump scare. Remember, Carrie famously has the hand coming out of the grave. That is why we get young Jason out of the lake. There was no plan to put young Jason in this movie. Yeah. There was no plans for this franchise to go on with the next movie being Sackhead Jason and finally in the third movie getting Hockey Bass Jason and then eventually getting Zombie Jason. None of that was in play. None of that was even thought about. That was not the intent of this film. Most, more than likely, it was just a cash grab for one and done to finance something else yeah. is really what it boils down to. And if you see how Sean Cunningham had treated the series later on, including the debacles that were you know, Friday the 13th, 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, and then Friday the 13th, 9, or better known as Jason Goes to Hell, where including there's a documentary out there where the director and writers of that film say he came to us and told us he didn't want to see that damn hockey mask and he didn't want to hear the name fucking Jason. How do you make a movie? That's just like when you're going and talking about originally when, uh, uh, what is it? John Peters wanted yeah. to make Superman reborn. Yeah. And he would told Kevin Smith, I don't want to see the suit and I don't want him to fly. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like, and that's why we ended up with that jumbled up fucking mess. Because there was a whole other script that was written to yeah. give you a real Friday the 13th film. But, you know, and you can go on and do some research on your own. So this movie, to me, has always been what it was. Let's rip off Halloween and what was done well in some of the older movies like Black Christmas, Halloween, et cetera. And then also on top of that, you know, we'll spend, it'll make us money. And it worked. They spent more on advertisement than they did on the movie. Yeah. Think about it. To take out that big spawn, in the Boston Herald to get marketing and all that shit was more expensive than the $550,000 tag on this film. Yeah so it's 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 it was ingenious was a smart move did it go and live on and be something that we all love yeah but it was really started from really kind of eh, beginnings yeah. and i mean i know a lot of us look at this movie as nostalgia because what we go later on but even when you look at the synopsis for this film they all say jason everybody only gives a fuck about two on let's be honest yeah. let's really be honest yeah, and that's just how how the cookie crumbles. And I, I think that we might get some hate for from people who are like, "Oh, I'm a purist. This is the movie that started it all." Uh, but I think if you really look in the mirror and look at yourself, this movie is not better than the next three films. No, two, three, and four are better than this movie. I agree by leaps and fucking bounds. And you can argue which one of those is your favorite in the series, or some people six is their favorite in the series, and some be, you know there's a lot of uh, jumping around, but. You, we can, I think we should all agree, and we'll eventually on another Friday the 13th do part two and three and four and so on and so forth. But I, I do believe that those movies are better than this one, yeah. I mean, wholeheartedly, even Jason Takes Manhattan is better than this one. Oh, <laughs> um, maybe. maybe not Jason Goes to Hell, though. No, that's that's a pile of shit. <laughs> I, uh, you could argue Jason Takes Manhattan just because tongue in cheek laughing. <laughs> Uh, but I would still say this is not better than this movie. Honestly, I still would say it. honestly overall I would say it's still not better uh, By the way my critic score if you're wondering is a 6 out of 10. This is a, it's above average So I'm not really shitting on this movie But like really the take-homes here is Tom Savini does an amazing fucking job uh, With the makeup effects in this movie all practical love every bit of it Yeah, uh, I love you know every bit of that the script it is what it is man like the backstory. Thank you for giving us the story for Jason technically but that's about it. That's all we got for you, Yeah, in my opinion. So if you want to disagree with us, agree with us, or you want to tell us that we're crazy, whatever, hit us up on the social media to talk about it. How do you do that? Simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. All the links for the social media are listed right there, as well as the Patreon link, the T Public link. Also, uh, friends of the show like the ODPH Podcast. There's also the music directory link that features the band Obscure Form who does the theme song for this show. Check those guys out. Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And last but certainly not least, the local sponsors like Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Uh, remember, August 25th and 26th in Vernon Downs Casino in Vernon, New York. You can check out Sci-Fi Horror Fest for all information Sci-Fi And if you forget any of what I just said, it's simple. Your one-stop shop is 3FNPodcast.com. Ron, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of the 3FN Horror Show. Uh, next up on the docket, you know, obviously every week we have the flagship 3FN podcast where we mostly talk about new movies. Uh, if, hopefully you're listening to that as well. And then, of course, there is 3FN Rewind, diving into older films as we go forward throughout the years. And, of course, obviously you know all that when the uh, 3FN Horror Show is here. So hopefully you guys are going to be tuning in because this is my birthday month so we decided for the second show and it will already be my birthday for the second show we are going to do Happy Death Day we're going to review that for you folks in the second 3FN Horror Show of the month of January Uh, all that and more just make sure you're tuned in to the 3FN Network of Podcasting with that being said for myself for Ron we say take care of yourselves, take care of each other and always remember that if you're stuck at a camp and people start dying during a storm, get the fuck out of Dodge. Why are you staying there? Get, leave, run, drive, whatever you have to do. I don't understand why that is so fucking hard to understand in these movies. I get it, that ruins the movie because we don't have a movie, but god damn people, be smart. And also be careful of things that go bump in the night.